Katie and I have this um, little kiddie pool for Hudson. If you went up on our deck, you would see it most days. And so we'll fill it up with water. Uh, but we, uh, when you fill it up right away, of course it looks nice and clear and you'd probably want to get in it. But we can't really leave it just sitting up there for too long uh, because eventually it gets all these needles and leaves and probably bird poop and other kinds of insects dead and stuff in there and then it gets all yucky so we have to dump it out and sometimes there's like little mosquito things like swirling around in there so it's like ooh, you have to dump it out and refill it and make it nice and new again but even if it had that stuff in there and you were looking at it it'd be, it'd be like eh, well, it's, it actually looks kind of clear because all that stuff is just kind of sitting on the bottom but as soon as you put a kid in there and they start splashing around all that stuff gets swirled up from the bottom and now it's like okay now it just looks disgusting you could tell it actually was really dirty it was all just settled down to the bottom and as people we uh, work very much the same way when something when everything is calm in our life we might look totally pure and clean uh, and everything is good about us uh, but then once our environment gets disturbed all of a sudden all this kind of dirt and muck that was sitting there the whole time gets stirred up you know when we're on a cruise you know off in the ocean or something and it's just like oh you know we might look really like really good people because it's just like wow that person's just a totally good person when they're on a cruise but then when you get we get our when our environment is chaotic or disturbed and difficult to deal with then all of a sudden it's like oh they're, they had a whole bunch of dirt and muck in there that you didn't see when they're on the cruise and everything was relaxed and many people have said that a person's true character comes out not when things are going well um, but when things are going difficult that's kind of when the stuff inside gets squeezed out and you can't hide anymore and I'm often met with challenging situations in my life where the the dirt and muck in me that I wish wasn't there uh, comes up you know kind of gets flurried up from the bottom and I don't want others to see it and many times it's the same dirt and muck that I've been trying to get rid of for maybe years it's like well I wish I thought that was kind of gone but it's like no actually things were just going well and it just kind of settled to the bottom and now things are going are difficult and it got brought back up again um, but it had just settled during calm season and we've all been in this long stretch where our environment has been very has been disturbing us, has been kind of rattling us and shaking us, and has not been very uh, peaceful and calm. And we've been in uh, not only a global pandemic with COVID-19, but also our nation is trying to reckon with uh, racial inequality. I mean, having riots and protests and um, all the conversations that are happening around racial inequality that has plagued our country for centuries. And on top of this, we have all the regular stressors of life that could be dis making our environment chaotic and difficult to deal with. And that's all shaking up you know, what's really inside of us. And maybe you felt like, man, there's all this stuff that's been churned up inside of me that I really wish wasn't there and it's coming to the surface. And I've been praying, I mentioned last week, like uh, after we got back from vacation, like I really needed to take some time to reconnect with everyone and just pray and think about where do we need to go next as a church in terms of teaching and been praying and thinking about what our church needs during this time when our environment has been really disrupted. And it's easy, I think, to put our hope in things going back to normal. You know, things have been disrupted, and I just want things to go back to normal, just to back to the way they're supposed to be. And it's easy to put our hope in that, and to, and to just want life to go back to what it was before, and our hope is in that. And then our faith is in scientists or the government or you know a vaccine or you know immunity whatever it is our hope and faith gets put in those things 
but how but when is that going to be how many months or how many years is that going to be and how does that help us to live right now when our environment is chaotic and disturbed and things are not normal and things may never go back to normal I mean after 9-11 which was a you know huge thing for our country things never quite went back to the same we just got adjusted to a new normal and we may have not even noticed how things were different but we got adjusted to things being different and how do we deal with the dirt now being stirred up inside of us right now when everything is going on instead of just saying you know I'm just going to wait till things go back to normal and then I'm going to be able to let that stuff go back to the bottom and then you know I'll just be able to be pure and clean again so I've been asking God what do we need what do your people need right now God and the answer that came to me this week um, was that we need to remember who we are and in order to remember who we are we need to remember who God is and, and because we're at risk of in the middle of trying to deal with how our world has changed we're at risk of forgetting um, who we are thinking um, that we're as we're dealing with all the things that are going on in the world we forget no we are still the same and God is still the same and how do we engage with our world from that point of view that God is not changed our world has changed but God hasn't changed and because he hasn't changed who we are hasn't changed because we're defined by him and so this week I want to start a series uh, that I simply want to call um, Good News with an exclamation point, uh, which, I mean, the name of our church is Good News Church. Uh, so I want to start this series and just kind of go back to some of the basics of our church and just, you know, talk about good news. I'm hoping that we can just be um, several weeks just going back to, like, what is the good news about who God is and what he's done and who, what that means is true of us uh, in the middle of all this. Um, so we're going to spend several weeks... Um, I have eight weeks planned out reminding us of those truths. Um, so we're going to go back to that picture of the pool um, and the dirt and muck that gets stirred up when things are difficult. Um, and today is kind of like a diagnosis sermon of like what's, you know, when you go into the doctor's office, they diagnose, they're doing a diagnosis. Here's my symptoms. You know, I've got all this dirt and muck. And it's like, okay, those are your symptoms. But what really is um, down below it that's causing those symptoms? Um, and so... I've got a ton of markers here, just in case one of them goes bad. I've got a backup bag down there. So I'm hoping that in using all these, something you'll be able to see something. So we've got, so we may feel like we've got bad in our life. Like, okay, and maybe you're feeling like, well, I'm actually doing pretty good in the midst of all this. Maybe you feel like you have bad in your life. Um, but you want to go from bad to good. Like, it's like, man, I've got bad, got bad attitudes, or I've got dealing with bad bad um, actions I'm taking on the part or I'm just I'm just feeling bad like I'm feeling angry I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling scared and so how do we go from the things we are feeling is that one is that one a little light the good one is that one a little light huh backup markers Let's see if this green one's stronger but how do we get it's like my environment has been disturbed and I've got all this stuff shaken up, and it's like how I want to go. I want to go from good, bad to good. I want to feel stop having all these bad attitudes, and all this stuff has been stirred up inside of me. But what's the diagnosis? And the doctor in the doctor's office, and they're like, okay, what's the cause of that? Um, well, to get the answer of how we would go um, from uh, bad to good, we need to know. Okay, well, how did I go from good to bad? Uh, how did it all go bad in the first place? 
And to get that answer, we're going to go back to um, Genesis 3. Um, that's going to be the main passage we're going to look at. Um, we're going to come back to the one Katie uh, um, talk, read earlier. But how do we go from good to bad in the first place? If we, to know how we go from bad to good, um, how do we go from good to bad in the first place? If we were healthy, how did things go to bad? So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis 3. Um, when God created the world, God said it was all good. When he created humans, he said it was very good. There was nothing bad. God created a good world, and humans were created good. Humans had a good relationship with God, and their relationship with each other was good. But then in Genesis chapter 3, it went bad. And we can ask, well, how did it go bad? It didn't go straight from good to bad. There was a process. The serpent, um, who we now know as, as Satan, uh, came to the first humans, Adam and Eve, and he had a conversation with them. With them. So let's see how uh, it goes bad in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. One. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat from any, any tree in the garden? And so the serpent brings what God has said into question. And there is surprise in his voice. It's, it's like the serpent is looking around and he's saying, God really said you can't eat any of this good stuff? And the woman answers him in, in verse 2. And the woman said to him, we may eat of the tree, fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And so Eve corrects him by saying, No, 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 we, we can eat from all the trees except one. If we eat from that tree, God said we will die, but we can't even touch it. And when, we have to remember that when God created the world, he placed Adam and Eve in the world, and he placed them in a garden, and with one rule in that garden, you can eat from any tree in this garden except for one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this tree represented a choice. It was the choice to define uh, whether they were going to trust God to define good and evil or whether they were going to define good and evil in their own way. And if they ate from it, they'd be choosing to define good and evil in their own way instead of God's way. And maybe you're like, oh, I don't get this, this choice defining good and evil in their own way, but think about it in parental terms. Um, when parents say, okay, kids, uh, do this, don't do that, that's the parents defining what's good and what's bad, what's good and what's evil. And if the kid decides, you know what, I'm going to do that thing that mom and sa dad said is bad, that's them defining good and bad in their own way. They're deciding, well, mom said this is bad, but I'm going to do it anyway. They've decided that that thing mom said is bad is actually good to do. And so they're defining good and bad in their own way. And so that leads to consequences, right? That leads to the relationship getting disrupted and it breaking. And of course, parents have to show a lot of grace and forgiveness and love, unconditional love despite those things. And, but that's defining good and bad in their own way instead of how their parents have defined it. And God says, if you're going to do that, if you're going to define good and bad in your own way, you're leaving this relationship. You're no longer trusting me. You're creating a broken relationship between us. You're trusting in yourself rather than in me. And it's going to lead to death. But without even mentioning the tree that God said that is off limits, the serpent has got the woman thinking about it and talking about it. He's like, did God really say you can't eat from any of these good trees? 
And then she's like, well, you know, and then so she starts talking about it. You're, the serpent's opening question portrayed God as overly strict. You really can't eat from any of this stuff? Wow. Man, God's like really strict, isn't he? The woman corrects him, but her portrayal of God, his, his overly strict party pooper portrayal of God has already infiltrated her thinking because God said, don't eat from the tree. But she's like, no, 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 we can eat from the trees. Uh, but God said, don't eat from that one. Don't even touch it or you'll die. But God has said nothing about touching it. He just said, don't eat from it. So she's already like seeing God as more strict already. And the serpent responds in verse 4. He says, but the serpent said to the woman, well, you won't surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So now that the serpent has got her in conversation, the serpent directly contradicts what God has said. If you eat of that tree, you won't die like God said you would. In fact, God doesn't want you to eat from it because he knows that if you do, your eyes will be open and you'll be just like him. You'll know good and evil just like he does. And so now the serpent has tempted the woman with the possibility of being like God. And we can see what the serpent's end game is here. What is he going after? He wants her to eat from that tree. He wants her to do what God has said is bad. But he doesn't start by saying, do something bad, eat from the tree that God said you shouldn't eat from, just do it. Where does he start? He starts with an attack um, first. So for diagnosing this problem, first he starts an attack. So for like kind of trying to get down, like what's deep down here? First he starts with an attack on who God is. God is really strict, isn't he? He's pretty strict. And then he starts talking, well, you know, he does, he's lying to you. You won't really die. And he's, so he's doing this attack on who God is. Starting attack. Why does God do what He does? He's doing an attack on what God is doing. You know, this is why God's doing what He's doing. He's doing it because He doesn't want you to be like Him, and He's withholding from you. That's why He's doing what He's doing. And then where does He go next? He, he's saying, He moves to telling the woman something about herself. You will be like God if you eat from that tree. If you disobey God, if you leave Him behind. You know, he's holding you back. Stop depending on him and eat from this tree, and you can be God. So this is now a lie about who we are as human beings. And so this is, and so now it's a lie about who she can be. So the serpent has hooked her with a lie about God. God's not really that good. And this is why he's doing what he's doing. And this is who you could be if you do what I say you could do. What, I, what I'm telling you to do. And the serpent has hooked her with these lies. And so let's just read what happens in verses 6 through 13. This is what it leads to. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. 
He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I command you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And here's where things go bad. Now she looks at the tree, and she desires what God has said is off limits. She disobeys by taking it, and then she also gives some to her husband, including him in her sin and disobedience. And then both of their eyes were opened. They realized they were naked. And before there was this openness between them, and there was no shame when they were created. It says they were both naked, and they were not ashamed. But now they have this shame. They cover themselves up. They don't. There's no longer this openness and intimacy between them and they feel exposed and so they cover themselves and they close with fig leaves and their relationship with each other has been broken and then they hear God coming and they're afraid and they hide from him too before everything was good between them and God there was this intimacy and personal relationship between them and him before everything was good and now the relationship with him is broken and when God asks what what happened first the man blames the woman. The woman you gave to me, she gave me the fruit. And then the woman blames the serpent. She says, the serpent deceived me and I ate from the tree. And this chapter ends with separation from God, sent out of his presence and in the garden. And we see where all this ends. But if we just list it out, what happens? That they uh, end with wanting what God said is bad, doing what God said is bad, disobeying God, shame, broken relationships, they're afraid of God, hiding from God, blaming others. And just think to yourself, does any of this sound familiar to your own life? Does any of this show up in your life? You know, blaming others for your problems or uh, blaming God for your problems? The man blames God. The woman you gave to me gave me the fruit and I ate it. Do you ever blame God for problems or blame other people? Do you ever afraid of God or hide from God, kind of avoid him? You know, disobeying God or wanting, desiring things that God has said is, are off limits to you or do you have broken relationships in your life? And where did it all start? Eve gave us the answer. She told God, the serpent deceived me. It was a process. The serpent didn't, didn't just say, hey, you should eat from that tree. You should just disobey God. That's not where the serpent started. It was a process. He led Eve to believe a lie about God. God is too strict. God is holding out on you. God isn't doing what's best for you. God doesn't have your best interests in mind. God isn't trustworthy. God has lied to you. And have you have you ever thought about God in this way or thought of him in other ways? You know, when you get into situations, you're like, hey God, I don't know if God, I don't know if you care about me. I don't know if you love me right now. I don't know if you're, are you with me? Are you listening to me? Do you even care about what I'm going through? Or, God, I don't think you're giving me good things in my life. You're treating me unfairly, or you're too strict, or, you know, I can't live up to your expectations. You ever thought these negative things about God that the serpent is getting Eve to think? Then he led Eve to believe a lie about herself, that she could be like God. The, The truth is that she was already made in God's image and likeness. That's how humanity was made. We're made in God's image and likeness. But the serpent was tempting her to live independent of God, to run her own life, to be the queen of her own kingdom. He was telling her that uh, she doesn't need to rely on God. She doesn't need to depend on him. And what does it lead to? All the, the bad that we see, it starts with this lie about who God is and what he does. 
this lie about who she is, and it led to all the bad that we saw at the end. And if you ever lived this way, perhaps you haven't you know, said any of these things out loud, but have you tried to just you know, live independent of God, not relying on Him, trying to just make your will be done in your life or in other people's lives? Have you ever been trying to just run your life your own way? Have you relied on yourself and just try to depend on your own power, your own strength to get everything done? And the, the Bible often uses the images, the image of fruit to talk about um, our actions. Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. So picture this. Um, I'll use a black marker. So picture this as a, you know, as a tree. It's going to be a little bit Oh no. This was black, but I guess it's like purple. Picture this as like a tree. And I know it's in the trunk. Picture those as the roots though. <laughs> and this is like the top. And the Bible often talks about us like bearing fruit in our lives. And when we're bearing bad fruit, the root that that's growing out of are the things that we believe. That's how the Bible often talks about us bearing bad fruit. At the root of this tree that we see in Genesis chapter 3 are lies about God that the serpent led the woman to believe, which opened her up to believe lies about who she is. Those roots grew the bad fruit in her life. And so our big idea that, if you remember one thing from today, is that your view of God grows the fruit in your life. Your view of God grows the fruit in your life. What you think about God, what you believe about Him, what you think He's like is going to determine how you live. Your view of God grows the fruit in your life. Whatever you're thinking about Him, how you're viewing Him, what you're believing about Him is going to grow the fruit in your life. They're connected and they can't be disconnected from each other. In, in his book about what God is like, um, it's called uh, Knowledge of the Holy I've shared this quote before, but A.W. Tozer wrote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And why is that? He, he explains that it's because what we think about God affects all of our life. We, we will never rise above what we think about God. What we think about God predicts our spiritual future, and it predicts how we're going to live, how we're going to, what our morals are going to be, what our, our ethics of living out life is going to be. And Tozer saw this principle, your view of God grows the fruit in your life. What's at the root? Your, your belief grows the fruit, your, your character, your attitude, your feelings, your actions. And if our belief about God, uh, our beliefs about God are bad, the fruit in our life is going to be bad. Bad beliefs grow bad fruit. Good beliefs grow good fruit. And the fruit in our life, you could say, reveals what we're believing about God. You could do it the opposite way. You know, if our if you're seeing bad fruit in your life, it's revealing that there's something wrong at the root. If you have your view of God uh, is bad in that case. And, but wait, you may be thinking, well, I don't believe bad things about God. You may be thinking, wait, 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 just a second. I, I believe everything the Bible says about God. You know, if you flip to the back of our, our songbook, you, you would see three different, you'd see our statement of faith on page 42, and you'd be like, I read through all that, and I believe all of that. 
I believe all that. Those are all my beliefs. You, re- you could read the Apostles' Creed on page 43. I believe the Church Creeds. You could believe the nice. You could look at the Nicene Creed on page 44. I believe the Nicene Creed. And you'd be like, I believe our statement of faith. I believe the Apostles' Creed. I believe the Nicene Creed. I have uh, good beliefs about God. And we would, over on the other side of this tree, you know, you, you can see where this is going. That there's going to be two different trees here. You'd say, no, no, no. My beliefs about God are good. I believe God's loving, that he, he, He's forgiving, He's gracious, that He's good, He's trustworthy. I believe all those good things about God. Everything the Bible says, that's my view of God. I believe that. But, but then you have to ask, then why is there bad fruit in your life? Because if we really believe you know, God is totally trustworthy, then why are there so many areas of our life where we're not giving, where we're not trusting Him, or why are we so anxious in you know, one particular area of our life? And it's not that you know, in every single area we think that He's untrustworthy. It just might be that in that one particular area we haven't learned to trust Him, or that we're not thinking that um, in that one situation that we haven't seen Him as trustworthy. And so it's not that we're, we think He's totally untrustworthy. It's just that, you know, that one area we're holding on, and so it's okay, if I have bad fruit in this situation, it's that I'm not believing, or I'm not trusting him in that situation. And so it's, our view of God grows the fruit in our life. And so I often, when I'm in a situation in my life, I'm feeling, man, I'm, you know, I'm seeing bad fruit in my, how I'm seeing this person, or I'm seeing bad fruit in um, this situation or I'm going, you know, whatever it is, I always, I'll sometimes do this exercise to myself, okay, if if I'm seeing bad fruit, I must not be viewing God rightly in this. And I'll just go down this, and it's almost, it's without fail that, it's usually, it's almost the same things I'm believing. I'm believing it's all up to me, so basically, you know, I'm trying to be God. It's all up to me. I have to be in control. You know, it's in my power to change this person. Or, you know, I have to, you know, I, it's all up to me. And what's God doing? Usually I'm believing he's doing nothing, that he's distant, um, and that, uh, yeah, he's just, it's, yeah, he's just waiting, kind of waiting for me to take care of this or to get get it together. And who's God? Well, yeah, he's, he's distant, he's not close. It's like, okay, yeah, that's why I'm, the fruit I'm seeing is stressed, or anxious, or really frustrated, and then it's like, okay, I want to see good fruit in this situation, and I need to now, so how do we get from over here to over there? And we're all in this growth and change process, so how do we move from one to the other? This is where we come to where uh, Katie's passage that she read, Jesus is God's son, who, and he walked the earth as a perfect representation of God. He came preaching the message of good news, telling people the kingdom of God is near, repent, and believe the good news. And repenting involves turning from something, and believing involves turning to something. And that scripture reading Katie did, Luke 5, 27-32, um, we read in Luke 5, 
and that Jesus came for those who are spiritually sick. And he came to call sinners to repentance. And by the way, if you, uh, I think back in February, Nick gave uh, a really excellent testimony on this passage. It's on our website. If you just go to the sermon series that's called um, Testimonies, Nick gave a great testimony on this. I didn't leave myself quite enough room, but so repentance, hopefully, oh man, nope, don't worry, we'll get markers at work, up the budget category on markers, ah, boom, so when we're just always needing to do this motion of, this is repent, so we turn, we turn from all that's here, and we believe. Jesus said, I'm calling the sick, I'm calling sinners, and we are all this fruit in our life, you know, our sin, our disobedience, our attitudes, but then all of our, you know, we're, we're sick, we're like all these sickly, uh, bad trees that are needing to be called from, to repent, to turn from these, both our sinful, disobedient, our sinful attitudes, our sinful feelings towards other people, our sinful actions, and our false, wrong beliefs about God. These are really images of God that are wrong, or and our false gods we're worshiping. This is when we have this. When I have this view of God that's distant, uncaring, that's a false view of God. That's not the true God I'm worshiping. I need to repent. I need to turn from that. And Jesus says to believe the good news of what what is God really like. That he is loving, that he is caring, that Jesus says I can trust him in all things, that he is with me, that he's for me, he's not against me. And what is he doing? That he has sent his son Jesus who loves me and forgives, and that he's with me, now who am I? That I'm his beloved child, and he's caring for me in all things. And now what's what should that lead to? That should lead to not being stressed in this situation, that he's going there into it with me, that of less... Um, anxiety and less frustration. Jesus says, repenting, we need to turn from uh, what we are, uh, both what we are doing and what we are trusting in, and both trusting in ourselves, because what is the serpent getting Eve to trust in? You can be like God. You can trust in yourself. You can just be independent from God. You can just run life your own way. And so our repentance, um, this is a tree too, by the way, um, our repentance has to go deeper than just our actions. Like, okay, I just got to stop doing bad things and start doing good things. Repentance, we can't just turn from bad things and turn to doing good things. We, and it has to go deeper than just who turning from, like, okay, I'm thinking bad things about myself or I need to start thinking different things about myself. There's a whole, you know... Um, section of like supposedly Christian literature that is written and people are making money off of Christians just thinking like it's like self-esteem literature of like thinking better thoughts about yourself and it's like well no that's that's exactly what the serpent is telling Eve to think you just need to you know have higher thoughts about yourself but that's what you can be like God you don't even need God you don't even need to think about him just think how good you are and how great you are and there's no humility you're turning to him it's like no we need to have higher thoughts about god at the root we always need to be thinking about who we are and who god is and what he has done Um, because if we're only repenting at this level of like you know sometimes we think like i'm 
you know, guilty and I'm just kind of rotten and I'm garbage. And it's like, you know, I just, I need to have a better self-esteem and I need to turn from those bad thoughts. You know, I'm a rotten sinner. I need to have higher, better thoughts, higher self-esteem. It's like, no, 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 no. We need to also get down here of like, where does, I mean, it's true that we are sinners and we're guilty. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, God just hates me. And it's like, well, uh, yeah, there is punishment for sinners, but then also turn from your sin and believe the good news that Jesus died for sinners, that God is welcoming all sinners. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, that now in Christ we can be forgiven, that God has made a way for all us unhealthy, sickly, um, sinning trees to now turn to him um, and be welcomed into his kingdom. No matter who, how bad we are, nothing can keep us from him. And so we're a bunch of sick, dead trees with bad fruit who have, uh, and even once we're in his kingdom, we still are repenting and turning, you know, our mission statement is surrendering all of life to Jesus. And as disciples, we're learning what are new areas I need to surrender over to him. And so all of what's on this side, when we're we're confessing, um, we don't only confess at the level of here's my bad things I've done. We also can confess, here's the wrong things I believe to myself. God, I've, nor acknowledging that I've tried to live independent of you. I've tried to live my own power and try to rely on myself. And, and then we can also confess, God, I've seen you as, as distant, as unloving. And we can confess our wrong beliefs with God. And we acknowledge that and we confess it. And we repent by turning from it. And we believe by turning to who God is. And so if we were to fill this in, you know, who, who is God? Um, what, what is he like? Let's just hear his own words. We heard some at the beginning from Psalm 103, which those are really words echoing Exodus 34. These are God's own words um, that he tells to Mo- Moses. If you want to look them up later to read for yourself, it's Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7. Exodus 34, 6 to 7. This is what God says about himself. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And so merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And then that last part, who who won't clear the guilty, is saying, if you're not going to turn and rely on him, he's saying, well, then your guilt isn't going to go away. But he's saying, if you are going to turn for him, it's steadfast love, forgiveness for thousands. You know, it's just abounding in steadfast love if you'll turn to him. But if you're not going to turn to him, he's not going to clear the guilty. And so if we are unwilling to, if we just want to stay here, for everyone who doesn't turn to him, there's, you know, there's no forgiveness. That's why repentance and belief is necessary um, to, when we turn to him. Right. So, when we think about... Our world has changed, but who God is and who we are because of him hasn't. I just want us to remember through this series that um, we're a good news church, and what defines us is 
the good news, the good news about who God is, what God has done in Christ, what God is doing in Christ, what God will do in Christ. And that's what defines us. And my prayer this week for you, um, I've been using the words that we're going to sing this song, and we haven't done it in a while, um, but Katie learned it this week, um, Good, Good Father. Uh, and just the words in that song, um, they sing, a Good, Good Father. We were pr- singing to God, saying, You're a good, good father. And the words are, It's who you are. And so we're saying, God, this is who you are. You're a good, good father. And then we're saying, and then they also say, um, I'm loved by you. It's who I am. And so who we are, um, when God is our good, good father, and then we say, I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Like who we are is something we receive. And that's something that uh, has touched me in this song is that um, when we're in right relationship with God, when we start looking at this, we say, well, who am I? Well, we start saying, if we're talking as a church, we would say, well, we are forgiven. Well, that's something that we receive, that we are forgiven. That's like in the passive. And we are loved. Um, we are blessed. You know, we are taken care of. It's something that we're receiving from God. Instead, what the serpent told to Eve is like, you can become God. You can make yourself into something. But when we're going this way, like, who is God that you're a good, good father who's compassionate and gracious, abounding in steadfast love, and forgiving iniquity and sin and transgression. And then it's like, okay, if you are that, and now I receive that, now, now who I am is I'm loved by you. I'm forgiven, and I'm given grace, and I am blessed. And now we receive something. I am made in your image. I'm made in your likeness instead of I can become something. We become and that. And then from that, we can just overflow. You know how we talked about last week in that prayer, if we're a sponge, we're a filled-up sponge that now things come out of us instead of a sponge that's desperate to be filled up by anything because it's just empty. So my prayer has been that we would be able to, for each of you, as I've been praying, I've prayed for you this, my prayer for you this week was the words of this song. Um, so let's pray, uh, and then we'll um, we'll close and sing that song, and then also another as well. Father, would you help us to see you as our good, good Father who loves us? We're loved by you, something we receive, that you're who defines us and that we'll never rise above our view of you, that your view of, our view of you is what grows the fruit in our life. Father, would you remind us that we're Good News Church, not because we've done something, but because the good news has come to us um, from you, that you've told us who you are, you've told us what you've done in Jesus what you're doing in us, what you will do in the future. And it's all because of you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.